going on guys welcome back to another episode of coffee and van chats on the out of collective my name is john croom if you haven't already please make sure you hit that subscribe button leave us a review as it helps us out quite a bit um but other than that let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode and that is with michael creed michael creed is probably one of the most interesting characters in cycling at least when i was coming up to this sport um i actually kind of looked up to this guy i mean i loved how outspoken he was i loved how kind of goofy he was on social media and how he pretty much kind of just didn't give a fuck and so i thought that was super cool but then on top of that he then ends up switching into this director role working for smart stop then in turn starting a u23 team which is now known as a volo which has gone from the pro ranks all the way down to the club ranks and we kind of dive into why they did that what's the point of it but long story short, he's developing this young talent in America and sending them on to do greater, bigger, and better things and guiding them along the way. And on top of that, not just shepherding their bike career, but also kind of helping them with their professional career, how to talk to humans, how to talk to people. And yeah, we just sit down and, and chat about that and kind of how he goes about finding those riders, how he went about starting the team. And honestly, we just kind of sit down and shoot the shit. But anyways, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. And back for another episode, sponsoring is Functionware. Guys, straight out of Denver, Colorado, Functionware creates some of the best neck tubes, face masks that you can get your hands on. They got some of the coolest ones. They even got one that can make you look like a cat. So go check them out at functionware.com. That's functionware.com. They're right out of Denver, Colorado. Um, so they get delivered super, super quick here in the West. But yeah, go ahead, check them out. Functionware.com. There's a link in the description below. Also back for another episode is Bike Hardcore. Guys, clean your bikes up. Uh, no need to have dirty bikes, especially when you're listening to this podcast and you can use code CROOM10 at checkout. You can also go to the link in the description below. Get 10% off your first order to keep your bike looking sparkly fresh and super clean. My favorite thing they have is this like kind of pump action hose sprayer thing that cleans off the bike. I throw it in the van and uh, that way I can just keep my bike clean at all times. Also back for another episode is Twisted Spoke, some of the best CBD out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. And uh, yeah, they're back for another episode. Guys, if you're looking to try Twisted Spoke CBD, shoot me a DM. Maybe I pick you and I'll just send you some CBD. So shoot me a DM and I'll send you some CBD products along the way. But you can also go check them out at TwistedSpokeCBD.com. That's TwistedSpokeCBD.com. And uh, yeah, order yourself some today or walk into your bike shop and let them know that you want it. They can even order it from some of the um, biggest wholesalers and distributors that uh, most bike shops have access to. But anyways, now on to the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode on the Out of Bounds Collective. This is John Kroom, and uh, yeah, I'm sitting with uh, Mike Creed, and he's in Greece and in his hunting room, it looks like, or in, I don't know, what what is that background that you have set up there? I guess it's a hunting background. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's really nice that the wallpaper is flimsy. If you move really quick. It, yeah, it's, it's, a pretty intense, it's a pretty intense background, but <laughs> anyways, man, uh, how you doing, dude? Good, good. Um, a little tired, but we're recovering just with all the. Just a bit, it's been a long trip, so. Yeah. Uh, kind of rounding the bend, uh, prologue in a couple of days, and we'll race through to Sunday. So, looking yeah. forward to getting home for one week and then coming back to Europe. Yeah, no, you have you have a pretty crazy life, and you know, and how I how I found out about you. So when I got started in cycling, what I realized is that cyclists are a bunch of squares. Like they're very boring human beings and they don't, Aww. they don't do a lot of things. And, and I was, I was, I found myself a part of this, like, you know, I was always the weird kid in school, hung out with weird people. I went to house shows and house parties and, and those kinds of things and just did crazy things. And then I got into cycling and everybody weighed their food and did weird shit. But then I started to know, I, I ran into a guy named Brad Huff and, uh, I was like, man, this guy wears a speedo and, uh, Kind of breaks up the monotony and then i came across you and i was like man this guy is a complete wild guy and this is he, he, not as he, many speedos i don't have as many speedos you don't have as many speedos but um i i yeah i kind of i kind of got to latch on to you and then you entered the professional world um and you, you yeah you now have toned it down i think but um oh uh <laughs> i'll turn that off um 
I don't think it's so much that. I think it's more. Uh, I think it toning it down a little bit, just one because it's. It's like a, it's a little boring to kind of be an edge lord now. Just yeah. the amount of want to be one, and uh, usually with those people, actually, you know what I mean. Like it just doesn't yeah. seem the. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, not the same. Not the it's same. Not, it's not the same. I think before, you know, I think the fun thing with like stuff like Twitter was how people would, uh, you know, I went through that phase of everybody first treating it like basically text messaging with their friends. Yeah. And then all of a sudden for like this hot second, it became very professional. And like everybody acted like they were giving some kind of like press release. And um, that was fun for me because then, you know, it, you could just say wild stuff and you had that time where everybody just kind of gave you the benefit of the doubt that you were joking or whatever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It was, it was fun. But now it's now it's like just uh, between being bored with it and, you know, <laughs> you don't want to ruffle wanna, any like, feathers, riders, you know, like, you don't yeah, want yeah, to for sure. So. Yeah, no, and and that's well. I like the fact that you brought the lightheartedness to bike racing, and then I even see some of that in the in the YouTube videos. So um, that you guys put out with a Volo, but tell me a little bit about like because I'm trying to think. I'm well, you know, back then I couldn't really put myself in your shoes, and now I've raced at the elite level. You know, not even I don't I wouldn't even say as high of a pro level as you raced at, but I don't think that I would retire from cycling or finish cycling and be like, oh, I'm gonna start a U23 team. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to start a U23 team, put all my time and all my effort into creating a program, you know, to, to, to essentially, like I would have been so burnt out by the sport, especially from your era of the sport where it was kind of like teams were starting to fold. People were getting paid less, if not paid at all. Um, and so, yeah, I would have been pretty burnt out on the sport. So where did you just get the idea of like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be uh, like disingenuous of me to say that that was like the original goal when I was racing. Um, but because quite frankly, the first time it was just the fact that uh, I knew I didn't want to race anymore. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have a job. And uh, <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere, uh, the owner of SmartStop offered me a job. So like that was it um and the same kind of thing of like i thought like oh man like if, who wants to be at a bike race and not race their bike yeah you know like the kind of thing but um the unintentional thing what i found out unintentionally was that uh all that like resentment or regret or like things that i had messed up when i was racing helping others avoid those mistakes was like it made me okay with my career you know wow and okay. i think whereas before i think i would have been i mean i don't think i know you know i would have been uh really not like embarrassed but like very regretful and like yeah. very rueful you know of this and um in a way it makes those mistakes that I made, um, it kind of makes them worth it in a way, you know, like, yeah, for sure. Uh, that they weren't for nothing, you yeah. know, and, uh, if I can help kids, uh, avoid that, then, you know, uh, at least, at least, at least those mistakes just didn't like happen in the ether. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's super cool. And to kind of take like a little bit of a back step, how do you find yourself into the sport? Like where, where is it that you, you come into cycling and you're like, okay, I'm now Michael Creed, the bike racer. Uh, my dad raced, um, you know, from when I can remember basically, you know, seven or eight, I remember my dad getting a Eddie Mark's bike. Yeah. I thought it was really weird. Like the, there was this guy's name on a bike and I'm going to pronounce it. So, yeah. um, I was going to bike races with my dad and watching him race. And of course you want to do what your dad's doing. Yeah. Um, so it was really pretty just as simple as that, but I, I did a lot of sports. Um, I always did sports when I was uh, growing up. So uh, running, uh, wrestling, 
uh, I tried out for swimming, but I was really, really bad at that. <laughs> I think the right. only person who got cut before the actual cuts. Oh, savage. Right? Yeah. 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 They told me not to come back to swimming. Um, so any of those like uh, sports that didn't require a whole lot of hand-eye coordination, um, I, I always really excel at. So I did all that. And in a way, I was a little bit more into wrestling. Yeah. But um, cycling was the one that uh, I was better at. And you could, you know, go to Europe and be on the national team and do all these things. And I didn't have to. Uh, yeah, like it, in a way, it just kind of chose me, right? Like in a way, it was just boom, done. Like I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to do this because it, it had the opportunities. And yeah, I never questioned, never even questioned it. Yeah, no. And so with, with finding yourself on the national team, what, like, you know, cause obviously things have changed since you've raced a bike and, um, like with national teams and all these other things that have been happening, you know, what, like, do you think it's changed for the better? Do you think it's better than it used to be? Or do you think it's kind of somewhat the same? Yeah. I was going to ask you why you thought it changed. Well, I think. There used to be a national team, right? There used to be a U23 team. There used to be a U23 program. And and by that, I mean, they would they would wear the jersey and they would attend. And because they, I don't know what's going on in the back, back end of things, right? So, I, I mean, I don't know. But I, think, I think everybody's idea of like that there used to be a national team. And used to, yeah, like there was some pretty sweet years there that were a little bit after me where they had a really funded program and they had a lot of money. But, yeah. uh, you know that went away and that's not unique to just the national team, you know, funding got, uh, has been reduced. When I started doing the 23 team, there definitely was like a, a house in Isigam after a couple of years and you can do, you know, uh, a couple months stay there, but everybody there still had a trade team and they still did racing in the States. So it wasn't, um, I think sometimes people who weren't a part of it have a little bit more rose colored, uh, no for sure so it's like yeah so it's true but i don't it's unfortunate where the programming is at now but you know uh, budgets are budgets so things have to happen obviously we want i'd be ecstatic if uh there was this concrete under 23 national team and uh, i can send my riders there and you know i didn't have to come to europe i could just have a team in the states yeah yeah and with all that raising, I'd, I'd be the first one. But, yeah. No, because th and the reason why I bring this up is because kind of from my own experience, like it is prettier on the outside. And then I finally get on the inside and it, it has its own issues and whatever else. And when it goes away, it goes away. And then that has its own issues, but it also has its own perks too, right? Like you, you can yeah, do yeah. certain, you can do certain races on your own. You can you know, you don't really have to wait for somebody to clear it through 10 different steps. So it kind of just happens. And so, yeah, it has its perks, it has its downsides. And so more or less, I was trying to ask, like, do you feel like you have more freedom as a Volo versus, and I'm not, you know, 100%. okay. That's kind of what my question is, is like, the you know, more is, or less. People, uh, uh, I try to tell the riders all the time that like you, to be really good at bike racing, you really have to have the ability to remove yourself from herd mentality and kind of see the grift. And if everybody is collectively panicking and freaking out, there's an advantage in that. Yeah. There's an advantage to like taking a deep breath, a step back and seeing how to, uh, I don't want to say take advantage, but, uh, to come out not as unscathed as everybody else, to come out better than everybody else is going to come out. And um, I think if you have the ability to hustle and work hard and scrap and you don't need your handheld, where small programs are it for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Yeah, um, no, for sure. It's, uh, I don't remember the quote exactly, but there's a quote of something like, um, it's something about like never, never wanting to be 
uh, a part of the team that would have you. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, there's a point of it. It's just like, if they're the team that would have you and you're a hustler and a grifter and you're, you're working, you're a scrapper, like, I might say, so it might be more indicting, like, on that team. Maybe they don't know what you are. Maybe they don't know, like, you know, yeah. and you didn't know the animal you are. And I think, um, like, a really good example a lot of times is you'll see when, like, a team turns continental or especially when a continental team turns pro-continental. These guys, like, you know, there's, like, these uh, guys who are mid-ranked in the team or a little bit lower, and they get really excited, right? Because they're, like, yeah. oh, turn division two and then they hear about the first couple of big signings you know like let's say with slipstream you know it's like when slipstream went to division two and they started signing david millar and stuff and they're like oh we signed millar oh we signed the brisket center and you go and you see all these guys excited and you're just like who told you you were coming <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and yeah it's yeah just like, uh the people who whine about the lack of a national team aren't the people who are in contention for the world championships wow no that's that's actually and see this is it, stuff that i need to hear even as an athlete you know it, like this did, is good did like magnus sheffield complain that there wasn't like a junior national team program that year or did no. he just go out and set a world record yeah you know what i mean and it's like obviously we're not saying that you it's better that way yeah but we're also saying that like reality on reality's terms Con and control what you can control if you need your handheld to get um 15th place at the world championships then yeah, yeah. all right yeah not, you know yeah and so how do you manage this okay because i'm trying and, and and we're gonna we're gonna tread thin ice here and i can understand if there's certain things that you're gonna have to politically answer and and whatever else but who listens to this podcast you keep saying this like dude like, i know i know i'm just trying to i'm trying to protect you, you at the same time <laughs> do I, look well like i mean PepsiCo on my well i know i know it doesn't exist i know i just don't want to i just don't want to make anybody mad more or less i'm going to ask you about parents because I do think, I do think the, the like things have changed. Even my generation, like my parents were very invested in some of the things I did. And sometimes they would speak for me. And how do you manage that, man? Like, how are you managing athlete parents and all that other stuff, you know, and then taking them to Europe? Cause that's one thing about cycling that blows my fucking mind is the fact that there's 23 year olds where parents are still highly invested in training yeah. and everything else. 100%. And I've heard a lot of horror stories. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some things on the outside that um, are concerning to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but when we're speaking of knowing what animal you are, um, I, I don't know what it is about me. I don't know. Uh, take a mild amusement and curiosity from it but i honestly think i give something off where people like that <laughs> just don't talk to me yeah it, there's uh they will go i've had people like that go around to everybody else on the team every other staff member but me yeah and i don't know uh what my uh uber is with this but uh <laughs> I think people generally don't, those kind of people know that not only do I not agree with them, I'm also uh, incredibly bored of their ideas. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I'm waiting for the day to have a parent confront me on something, but I, it's never happened. It's never happened. Wow. So like not to deflect or whatever, but. And then I mean, see, that's what I was trying to prep for. I was, yeah, I was yeah. more or less saying like, Hey, you might have to give a political answer. There might be a story you can't tell on the podcast. And yeah, I totally yeah, yeah, get yeah. that, but more well, or less. A good story where I had, like, <laughs> yeah, like, had this moment and then I yeah. just, like, uh, sit down with a parent and whatever. And, yeah. uh, definitely had riders on the team who had parents that were like, I don't know, probably not great and, um, scary. Yeah. But, uh, I guess to attempt to answer it more, you're right. Like how to draw the line between when 
and speak up for it is that, that I mean, that's really tricky, you know, yeah. the, that's the person's parent. And unless the kid comes and asks for a specific else, help, uh, help, or if I see something uh, legitimately, uh, physically and mentally harmful, like not just subtly, but like, yeah, yeah. Court, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, um, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get in the way of that relationship. So it's, I, I got to respect it. No, for sure. Yeah. And, and cause I, I can only imagine how many emails you get a day from yeah. a U23 rider or a parent even, and being like, Hey, look at my son yeah. and whatever else. And yeah, I can, yeah. I can only imagine. You know, so on that, the most surprising one is, well, I don't know, surprising, maybe frustrating for me is, um, the lack of hustle that kids have. So if a kid is emailing, I can see if, that. I get, yeah. if I get an email from a 17, 18 year old, 19 year old, if I get an email from him every three weeks asking to be on the team, do I roll my eyes? Yeah. Do I begrudge him or get mad at him? No, no. I love that kid. I had one kid this year. Uh, I told him no, you know, and uh, he replied with like a two page dossier on why he should be on the team. And it was very passionate. And, you know, yeah, I gave him a shot. And um, not saying that will work 100% of the time, but there you go. You're going to end up with two pages. Because legitimately, the worst part of my job is telling kids no. Yeah. That they can't do the race or they can't be on the team. That is yeah. completely the worst because. I am at best taking an educated guess on how good that person is. Mm -hmm. um, it's a hunch. And and that moment you can feel like I'm challenging them or I I'm saying that they won't make it. And I'm not. It's just it's just a hunch. Yeah. So um the people I get really angry at are the um advisors, managers agents yeah those are interesting to me i'm i'm starting to figure that shit out yeah they'll email me and say hey whatever and it's a form of a copy paste email and blah 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 and it's just i uh i just don't have time for it yeah. i don't have time for it i when i was a junior i hustled man i found out this is before you had freaking Googles and all this stuff. Like, yeah, I would find out what town this director lived in and, you know, 411, you know, popcorn phone call this, this dude and just cold call him as a 17 year old, knowing that I was too young to turn professional. Yeah. I still like him to be on the team. Yeah. I would find these guys. I would, I would go to them at races. I would, you know, like, um, I respect hustle. Um, I make all the kids give me a paper resume, uh, because I get so many emails. You want to, you want me to remember you give me a paper resume, you know, like have a resume. Don't yeah. just, you, I mean, it is pretty amazing just how between the riders being really lazy or gun shy and to the managers, helpers, parents, whatever, doing it for them. And you're just like, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not good because it's just, uh, this is a long rant, but basically, no, no, this is good. I mean, there's kids that listen to this podcast at, where my team is at, where Volo's at, and I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah. Is we are the bar. We're like the bar. We're barely above threshold. We're a scope above threshold of what I would consider professional. Okay, our riders don't uh, get paid. They have a they have a stipend, but they don't get paid, and uh, they get everything taken care of. They don't have to pay to race their bike. They have bikes, travel, food, everything. They never have to pay to race their bike, right? Got it. Um, and for me, that is like the minimum, the yeah. very very minimum, being like a like Division three team. And we're yeah. not even a division three team this year, but we're like this. To me, this is the minimum. Yeah. Um, and you have these younger riders who come in, and because it's not 
inyots or whatever, they come in and they kind of think like, oh, well, this is like, this is just normal. This is how it normally is. And, or they take it for granted. And there's a part of you that like, you get it. It is uh, not that much, but it is better than anything going out there in the United States right now, uh, bar mm -hmm. legion. And uh, if that kid also had somebody else get him on the team, they didn't even try to get on the team. They just had somebody else ask to get on the team. The ungratefulness for being on the team and the lack of hustle that they have. The as once you leave under 23, once you leave this Avolo thing, unless you get on Legion or Rally, don't know where you're going. Yeah. And well, like, and and I've had this talking. I've had this conversation with with actually Jim Miller and many other people. It's like how do you expect a kid from Lux if they don't get on a Volo to ever race a bike again? And I had this conversation with Lux actually, mm. like everything's taken care of. Like mate, they don't understand how to barely pin their own jerseys, you know? And so it gets kind of question marked and, and there's only so many spots, right? Like the times that you say no might not be no because X, Y, and Z. It's just that you have 30 other kids that do the exact same thing. And this kid just happened to work a little bit harder for it or did a little bit different yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it was literally a coin toss. Like you can't sign all 30, right? In, in some regard. Um, yeah, sure. So what happens to that kid? That ki The next best bet for that kid is for him to pay to be a part of a USA crits or whatever the fuck it's called now team and pay for their kits or whatever and then also book their own flights book their hotels do this do that stuff that they've never done before um and so i just wonder you know how how we expect one do you feel like it's a i guess a more or less how often do you find people taking it for granted and you're calling them out for taking it for granted? Because what I've noticed as I've come up in this sport, you know, being a part of the team pursuit program, I've seen these kids that are on their way of retiring or didn't get their world tour contract and they walk in and they expect people changing their gears. They expect people putting new tires on for them. And I'm just like, man, I've been, dude, I've been doing this for how long and you can't even put a chain on your bike yeah it puts you in an uncomfortable situation because you're you uh, they're correct in that like it would be like uh in a perfectly static world like um there would be a lot of teams like a volo and so uh, and again uh the threshold of what's considered pro has lowered but for mm -hmm. me the bar so it looked like we have rate, we have gone up in threshold, but we haven't. Yeah. And I, that, that can be said for everything. Second. So I will give some kids credit for being like, well, of course we should get this. We're trying to be pro. Yeah. But not, I think to answer your question, what do kids do? What do they go after looks? If, if you have hustle, if you have grit, if you, yeah. if you really want to be a pro cyclist, there are options out there. You yeah. can go get on. Uh, there's hundreds of European teams that will take on um, under under 20 rider. You have to fucking rip yourself up, go learn another language, and go over there and grunt it out. And there's a chance if you're not getting picked up by uh, me, Action, or somebody else, then there's a chance that you're not very developed in that, and you're gonna have to struggle for a year or two. Yeah. But like, that's it. But this idea that like, you can't do it or whatever, it's just like, if you think you can't do it, then yeah, you're probably right. You probably should leave. Do you, don't, you don't, 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 don't like, this isn't a, this isn't an airport. You don't have to tell us what time you leave. Just get out. Yeah. Yeah. But like you have to figure out right now, if you like being good at something or you like cycling. Because Not, being good at something will make you feel like it'll trick you into thinking that you love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if all of a sudden you find out that you're the best thumb wrestler in the world, <laughs> every time you thumb wrestle, you fucking win. Yeah, you'll go, you'll just randomly. There's like, oh, there's a thumb wrestling tournament. There's a there's a race. There's a tournament for this. You'll do it for a while, and then all of a sudden you start getting beat. You go somewhere else. They start beating you. 
And you're like, God, I'm wrestling, wrestling. dumb. I'm out of here. But you will do something you don't like for a while because we're needy creatures and you want to be the best. You like being special boy on a podium. Yeah. Everybody look at me, you know? But, and that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm at the ground floor for kids finding out whether or not they like being good at something or they like bike racing and they want to be it. That's got to be hard, man, because I think you, you don't want to be that guy that makes them quit bike racing, right? But at the same time, it's also like it's a weird job to say, hey, like either either it's it or it's not. And if it's not, it's not, you know? Like you never want to make kids quit bikes. I mean, literally, that's kind of how that <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> uh, look, I don't want to make kids with bikes obviously yeah but you want to show them the standard for sure but my thing what's the the most painful part of that for me is having them on the team mm. because the other kid that i said no to it makes me feel like i i really fucked up mm. and i need to go and apologize to this kid the other kid it yeah. makes me feel like i was wrong and that's the most painful part and that's why i went from a continental team to a club team this year because one, there's only one big UCI race in the States and it's a one day. So that would be the only reason to stay continental. And then two, with being a club team, I can move riders in and out. Mm. I can do guest riders. I can do guest riders right away. You know, And I've, I've had riders on the team before in the continental just feel very secure in their spot and knowing that they might get rostered. And I just, I'm not for it, man. I don't, I, I hate telling kids no. And I hate when lazy riders prove those kids I said no to right. Mm. Have you ever had, now that we're, now we're proving kids right, but have you ever had a kid who just mails you, emails you every year? Like the same kid, like you know his name because he's emailed you several times. Has he ever made it on the team? Has there been that one? You know what I'm talking about? There because- was a kid, there, there's been riders who have uh, mailed, emailed me a lot when uh, they were juniors. Mm. And they've come into the team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's kids who just, they, they know, you know, they just know how to do it. And, you know, a big thing we do on the team is like every month or so, you know, we, we have the team meeting in person and they all have to have a resume and they all have to know. And I'm telling them how to approach other team directors and how to write the resume, what's important, what's not important, like how to get on that, on that stuff. Cause man, you know, like the point of this team is to get them off of the team and somewhere that's awesome so like uh i want these guys to be successful but i i'm not going to send the resume for them i'm not going to make the resume for them i can give them tips of what is effective for directors but um it's like anything you know like if uh, you go to a race right you you look at the the course and you reverse engineer it you figure out what it's going to take to to do well at it same thing with directors. You yeah. figure out what this director is, who he is, what he likes, what he doesn't like. Figure it out. You love directing more than you love being a bike racer? Nothing will ever be... When people say that... I always see people fall for it and they go back to racing. It, it happens all the time. All these guys my age, you know, they go back to racing and they say they missed it. But then they quit like a year later, right? Like in months. So you're coming back to racing. Are you telling me that yeah. that's on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing I miss about racing were the days that you were in control. Mm. The days where you were in, on the climb and you were wondering why nobody was attacking. And then you look back and there was nobody there. Or the days when you're on the track and you came down the banking and you can keep winding it up and you keep yeah. winding and there's another gear another gear or on a climb like the one i always really loved is when you attack on a climb like oh, okay i feel good enough to attack and you pack and you you wind that gear up and you're like actually i have to shift down again and then you shift and you wind that gear up and you're like you know what i feel like i got another gear in here and you just keep those like those days i miss terribly yeah, those days you terribly, and of course you miss the stories and fun stuff with the with the, your teammates. But as far as the training and the 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 lifestyle, like I don't miss it. I, mean, I don't miss it. I I didn't 
I didn't miss it. It just, yeah. I, uh, when I retired, the idea that I never had to think about, the idea that I could be tired or hungry and uh, hungover or have a sore knee and the fact that it didn't matter. Yeah. It's just so amazing. I just, oh, like, yeah. Like I lost weight when I retired because I didn't feel like I had to eat all the time. I wasn't worried that I was going to bonk. It's like, well, whatever. If I fucking, if I need to stop somewhere, I'll just stop. I don't care. You know, like, yeah. no, I, I miss, uh, I love racing. I, I absolutely love racing. I don't mind being around it. I know the place I'd rather be. I think bike racing is great, but uh, I don't miss actually racing and riding. No, that's that's kind of cool. I'm like competitive to... with other things now. I go, I do running races. I do uh, airsoft stuff. I just like you know, I find <laughs> other weird stuff to be competitive at. But like, I don't. Yeah. I'm always gonna be competitive. It's just yeah. The, one's not really a thing no and that's kind of that's kind of what i was curious because it's like that's another thing that i learned like cycling was so weird for me i came from football and and wrestling and as a heavyweight wrestler and like a lot of that stuff your career had ending points like whether it was high school and if you had an opportunity to play in college you played in college and had an ending point with cycling your ending point is kind of up to you and what i started to notice is that kids my age um like they start, that's where I, I actually, I knew about depression, but I started to really figure out depression when I started meeting cyclists, because you have to grow up quick mm. and, um, your career could technically end, you know, like I, I, I met a kid on Hincapie and this is the first time it was BMC back in the time I was a cat four, I had, I had no real, like I was nothing bummed me out. Right. And he didn't get re-signed. And that's the last time I ever saw him ever. And like, yeah, I looked yeah. up to this kid. Huh? Yeah, you know, I found uh, sometimes uh, when I'm trying, like, if I'm having like a disconnect with one of the riders, uh, sometimes it becomes very aware to me that I'm the first person in this, I'm the first person in this rider's life who isn't related by blood or being paid by the government. Yeah. I mean, like I'm the first stranger uh, in a way. I'm the first, you know, I'm not a school teacher that's being, uh, you know, on a public school who's getting paid by the city to then be, you know, like, and yeah. like, oh, this person has a title. I'm in a way, I'm like, I'm the first private citizen to tell this person that they're lacking. Yeah. That they've been weighed and measured and right now you're lacking. Yeah. And I don't know how to fix that. That's your problem, not mine. Yeah. And, uh, people's reaction to that understandably when you're that age is mixed and it's it's really it's really confusing and then not to sound like the oldest bastard in the world but like people's need to be weighed and measured all the time and using that that uh weight and measure as a gauge on whether or not you're going to be happy that day because that means that you're in a good person in a way because you're successful you work hard you've made sacrifices you're doing it right you know so like you go out there and if it's between doing a track effort and making sure that you fucking have half lap splits and well every fucking effort you do or going out and doing a training ride and constantly looking at your power meter for your average hour even though if it was just a four-hour ride around yeah or a one-hour ride around you're still looking at your average power and you're always comparing, you're never off. And if that number's not there, then you think, well, I haven't been working hard enough. I haven't been sacrificing enough. And you're just like, dude, nobody keeps improving. Nobody goes for a high, high score all the fucking time. Why are you trying to get high score every day? Like, who do you think you are? You're like some Adonis fucking guy? Like, yeah. get out of here. Like, yeah. I'm trying to teach my riders that the power meter or even the lap split, That's that should be like... That's a diagnostic tool. It's not your speed gauge, you know? Like if you entered, if you were in an F1 car, if you're in an F1 car, they just have the, the a speed. If they just have, either they're like, oh, you're just going 120 miles an hour. That was it. 
Yeah. You know, like they don't have a rev limiter. They don't have what gear you're in. You know, they don't have people on the side with just streams of data about the tire temperatures and all this stuff, right? They're just like, they're just sitting there just going like, well, the average speed of the race was 140 miles an hour. So I'm just going to go 145, dude. And they're like, well, there's turns, man. And you yeah. got to go and you got to get up back up to speed and got to do this. They're like, nope, I'm just going to go 145 miles an hour. And you're just like, all right, well, that's going to be real interesting for you because some days you will do it and some days you won't. The days you won't, you're going to get sad. The days you can, you're going to think you're successful, but then you're going to go to the race and you're going to find out that there are times that they have to get up to 250 miles an hour to make up for the 140 average when they were going, you know, or for those turns when they were going 10. So like now you're going to get dropped too. So the only thing that you're going to get comfortable in is some high zone two training and you're going to be really good at pretty much nothing. You're going to be yeah. a great exerciser. Yeah. And that's, I, I think I was coming into the tail or the start of that and the tail end of like, Hey, just go train, like, just go ride. Like, don't look at power, power, power was so new when I started cycling. Yeah. And now, man, I'm dealing with like people being super glued to a power meter. Cause some days, I mean, some days you just need, you need to do the four hours. It doesn't have to be done at high end zone two, it can just be done at four hours and people, they, they shelf the ride when they can't get the power up there. And you're like, dude, that's volume that you need. And, yeah, uh, you just, even if it's a five minute VO two or two minute VO two, sometimes you just need to go hard for two minutes. Yeah. Look at your power meter later. And then you find out how well you paced it and what your watts were. And it made, but yeah. if you don't know, that you're starting these efforts too hard or that you're loading up whatever. If you don't know that, I feel, I, you shouldn't, I mean, if you don't know that you're revving your car out by the sound of the engine and the way it's lurching forward, then you're going to bust it. Yeah. And you're going to, and you're going to act like you don't know what happened. Yeah. So it's just like, you, it, it should feel good to just go out and do a set of intervals and you don't bail on them because you're 10 watts low. Yeah, for sure. You find out later that you were 10 watts low and you go, oh, 10 watts, not that much. I'll pay attention next time. We'll see. Still yeah. fun. But you got the work in. And instead, people don't get the work in because the, the numbers weren't there. They just bail. That's because they need like, a recovery day. <laughs> yeah, because they're just like the most gifted athlete of all fucking time and that they yeah. still always the numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Ash, there's only one person that I've ever known to always hit the numbers, and it's Ashton fucking Lambie. And I know he's listening to this. And he, like, I remember we were all talking, and we were like talking. It was we were all in a group. It's like, so what do you guys do when when you're just not hitting those numbers right? Blah blah blah. And like, you know, somebody's not going. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I take a rest, or hey, I just shut it down, or this, that, and the other. And then Ashton goes, "Wait, you guys don't hit the numbers? Like every time, like." you just don't hit the, like, so if the number says this, you just don't hit it. And like, he's so green at the time. I think this is before he ever hit the world record. And he's just like, yeah, I just like, I mean, when I get it, I just hit the number. Like I was, that's what I was told to do. You know, it's just, that's it. That's it. What else do you do? There are people like that who can really lead the group astray. I think for me, it was always uh, Danny Pate because Pate was always at a little bit different level, you know, like you can get to Pate's level for a while. But you were temporary, you were visiting, you know? Yeah. And uh, you would see these guys kind of get to Pate's level for a while and Pate would like start hanging out with them and like training with them and they would start hanging out with Pate and you're just like, dude, you can't live Pate's life. And, no. and they would, I think like Danny Pate probably like retired probably five or six cyclists through friendship. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I rode with him just a few times, I think as he was retiring or retired and I was like, man, this guy's retired. And I think he climbed, he talked to me, climbed the entirety of Cheyenne Canyon in his big ring. And I set a PR and that's <laughs> pretty much me hanging out with Pate. Um, but, but anyways, uh, you know, two more questions for you. One question, what does a Volo mean? Like, where does it come from? Why a Volo? What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything really. It's just a word. Just sounds cool. The team owner and I were just like batting words together. I guess that on the heart on the high end, you know, it would be probably something with like a I don't know, 
advancement and then develop. I don't know. It's really nothing. It's whatever. But it's that's to me, cool. that's cool. Like nobody yeah, yeah. ever just sits like I, I, I'm not that guy. I like to think I'm entrepreneurial. I don't even know if that's, am I say that right? right yeah. Right, right. And, but I would never have thought of something like that. And like, you like think of something Vela or you like, you think of a club name, you go Google it and somebody's already thought of it. Um, right, and, right. and so the fact that you guys have thought of a name that isn't totally lame. Yeah. Look, I, the thing is, is like, I, when you're saying like cyclists are like boring people, like, yes generally yeah and <laughs> i think what really annoys me about cyclists is they all think that they're fucking really cool very all, much so very much rock stars and rebels right? until you bring them into a bar trust me i've done that you know or until they, like you know for me like because the team we have a we do a lot with our budget and yeah. sometimes that requires me doing uh some shit on my own you know yeah uh if that's uh, finding a lot of cheap t-shirts to get silk sprint, uh, printed on our own. And if that means uh, making our own bike boxes, so then we can put two bikes in there and now we're going to pay that. And, you know, um, and then you do stuff like this and then the, the cyclists will look at it and they'll say, uh, you know, older guys or maybe even younger guys. They're like, oh. Well, you got a bike box, man. Well, well, that looks like shit. And you're just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're pretty punk rock, aren't you, buddy? Yeah, you're pretty badass. <laughs> about, like, post another Instagram thing with a filter about you, like, doing, you know, some pretty rebel badass shit, right? Yeah. And in the end, nothing will ever, ever be hustling and working. Like you can't, and that's what I want to teach these boys is just that you can't win a fight against somebody who never stops fighting you. Yeah. You, the, you're eventually going to give up and they're, uh, they're going to eventually give up. You, 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 they're going to fuck you up. And that's a little bit like what this is, you know, it's a little bit like this is what the, the, the team is to me is it's a very much of uh, like with our hashtag of like, let's go champ for me. Let's go champ is very like, not saying that we're the best because like more than often we're not and it'd be disingenuous to go and say oh blah blah we're the best let's go camp and saying like all right you're saying you're the best cool we'll agree to this what i am saying what i what my challenge is to you is to show it to me show me yeah. why you're the best so i'm not going to give it to you i'm going to go down swinging you're going to have to like you're going to not want to fight me you're yeah. you eventually you're going to get tired of me showing up and you're going to figure out that the best thing for you is just to leave me alone and let me get it done. And You've made that you apparent know. because parents don't want to talk to you. So, I mean, <laughs> some parents really, I don't want to like shit on parents, but you know. I'm just fucking with you, man. I, I, would, I would actually, I, for me, it's like this mild curiosity, like in a way I want to, because to me, I don't think I'm an intimidating guy at all. You are intimidating hundred percent. It, I would say it's yeah. just my face. I don't know what it is. It's my. I don't voice. know. I don't know what it is. I think, I think it's a very. You're a very honest dude, and uh, yeah, yeah. And so, I like, if I said something to you, you 100 percent would just be like, "What? Why?" And I'd be like, "Fuck, I don't know. I don't know." Because do you ever have conversations with people where uh, you hit uh, where you know the script? Right? Kinda, yeah you hear people have those conversations of like, oh, hey, you know, in my house, it's uh, my wife, the, there's two rules, my wife's always right. And if you look at answer number and number two, if you're confused, look at answer number, you know, number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing. And it's just like, okay, we've agreed just to not even be human beings to each other. Yeah. We just agreed to like hang out and like just go through the roles. And like for me, for me, I'm just like, I'm so okay with silence. I'm so okay with just like being in my own world. Yeah. Like either talk or like, let's not, you know? And uh, I think the only real resentment I have towards cycling right now is the people who are um, uh, getting some status in there are people who know very little about it and they just post a lot on Instagram. And you go this has got to be a pretty tough, tough generation for you, my friend. 
uh, it's her, it's, and it's hard even when you see your friends do it. When your friends, like you go send your friend's profile and there's um, maybe one photo of someone else in the first like three scrolls. The rest is just them. And you're just like, dude, you're a psychopath right now. Like, I don't even know this, you know? And, uh, you know, they call it like the bullhorn effect, basically. So the people yeah. who have gained some relevance in cycling just through bullhorn effect by just basically nonstop talking. So eventually people are bound to hear it. Well, I mean, the brands don't help that situation either. Um, oh, you know, it doesn't. I mean, it, I mean it, it's, 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 it's a big circle, dude. I mean, when I decided to quit telling sponsors that I was going to the Olympics, like I was trying to go to the Olympics, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to race gravel and I'm going to do this van life thing. I had more people wanting to give me money in the time of day than this. Than sure, sure. And so, and then I also had, I, you know, I've started this UCI trade team and now oh, I have, yeah. I have people emailing me with, um, their Instagram followers. I had, I have an email yeah. with an Instagram yeah. follower account. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. didn't respond. Don't know how to respond to that one because I don't even know if they ride the track bike at all, but yeah, you think it's like more weird when they send a, their Strava thing or a uh, Instagram follower thing it's both like when they both. send me their website, when it's, it's, that's their resume. I got that one too. www.theirname.com. If you want to find their results, which I'm okay with being put into like, hey, if you want to see some more results, I've uploaded it to my website here um, right, right. or my schedule or whatever. But the fact that that like I have a full box of, hey, list me your times. Let me know what you've done and give me a little bit about you. And yeah, you just yeah. give me a hyperlink, bro. That yeah. was brutal. That was a brutal one. <laughs> it's hard because, again, we go with the hustling thing. So it's just like, okay, you don't want to. I don't want to knock somebody if that's the hustle, but to me, it's just not my, it's not the hustle that I necessarily respect. It's an interesting hustle because you have to go out of your way, man. You had to get a domain. You had to make sure it wasn't taken. You know, like when I was doing podcasts and stuff like this, like, and all that kind of stuff, you know, I was pretty good at self-promotion, but I think at a certain point I just kind of got, uh, not necessarily bored of it, but just, I don't know. It became, uh, it's only so much that you have only so many stories that you have right and for sure at first i was like very okay with other people doing that self-promotion thing but it's just gotten wild it's just gotten wild it's just different different ball game i think but i do think there'll be a blowback i think there'll be a blowback and i think we're getting close i think people are going to really crave authenticity well yeah because now it's you don't you have dirt on your face and you post a black and white photo to be epic it's um it's uh well now results are starting to matter so it's it's th where they're starting to matter you know because it used to be results don't matter do an ep do epic shit right and now it's like if you're not winning unbound we don't care kind are of you thing. doing the uh did you get into that lifetime series thing i didn't did apply you? i didn't apply. didn't apply no i mean here's why i didn't apply i didn't get into unbound the first two years i applied for unbound yeah and i and it makes sense, okay? I'm a track cyclist. I have some decent results, but would you take me or would you take Lambie? I'm like the second to everybody, right? And so nobody knows who I am. Somebody asked me the other day. They asked me if I was a master's rider. And you might be, right? I'm not. I'm 28, man. Fuck. 28? Yeah, you want to sign me? Oh, yeah. No, you look. Yeah, 28. I can see it now. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Eric Young used to think I was 35 too. And I was like, I think I was 23 at the time. Well, 30 now. Now the Masters is 30 now. Yeah. Well, I did just first, for the first time, I get I got called old the other day uh, talking with USA Cycling. So I kind of took that one on the chin. Um, but anyways, like, yeah, it's, I, I, I had no reason to apply because here's the thing. It's probably 10 spots for these like legit bike racer dudes then the other five are going to be for actually the other 10 are going to be for influencers it's 20 people right, right or right. something like that I, um, I don't know i was watching it from the outside Just, yeah uh, and so no i didn't apply and and i'm trying to i'm trying to go to the olympics for 2024 in some regard um so i need to race yeah, some in Europe. I'm, I'm really curious on how that I feel like the the way that people reacted to that um whole lifetime thing 
I think that might have been like one of the very first pushes towards. Yeah, dude, Jeff like, Kabush didn't I, get in. Well, yeah, but his credit, I, did, he didn't fully apply, right? Like he did something where he was just like, he like I don't know. I thought he did. He did a... Or did he just click the like, I'm not going to be your social media. Uh... I thought he applied and he did a whole article after not getting in pretty much being like, I think I didn't get in because, and I need to get him on the podcast. That would be an interesting talk. But no, sure. I think I didn't get in because I wasn't influency enough and I'm not that competitive at the current moment. Um, but which is saying a lot because he's pretty competitive. Um, so, but anyways, yeah, I don't, I don't know how all that stuff went down, but, um, one more question. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Before I let you go. Um, if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual, and I know you didn't think about this the entire time, but, uh, if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual, who would that person be dead or alive? And then how would you take your coffee? Hmm. I'm actually, uh, I've been uh, waiting for this. I'm interested to hear what you would say. Oh, you'd be disappointed, I think. I think oh, shit. like uh, Poppy Black. Um, this a mix, you know. I think, uh, I think my grandfather died when I was really young, and he had uh, a lot of traits that my dad and uncle have, and. I think it'd be really cool just to i just remember certain things he did and like I, I how young were you uh seven or eight okay and i have like these memories that are like really confusing to me but yeah. like in a weird way of like he because he and there's like there's all these legends about him that are like half told and like i don't know necessarily what's like he did the run around lake tahoe right like just off the couch he did that, he did that run. And then he was like, uh, he was a school teacher, but then he was randomly obsessed with Mark Twain. So then he would like get dressed up as Mark Twain and like go walk around town and like, and read Mark Twain books. And then <laughs> it was just like all this like random stuff. And uh, I'd be really curious just to like meet him as an adult. And just to know? see if he would come to that meeting with uh, dressed as Mark Twain. I mean, if you, <laughs> I have this, I have a very uh, fuzzy memory of meeting him, meeting him, him showing up uh, to school one day to pick me up without telling me. And he had the Mark Twain mask on. And oh, it was a mask. So it wasn't just like get dressed up. Well, he, he would put on like the guard. Oh, okay. Mask, okay. But, like, I'm thinking like a rubber mask. He's just like sitting in the parking lot. Yeah, so no, so he had, rubber, he had the rubber mask on. Oh, shit. And uh, my dad was in the car. Uh, so I knew that this car was safe to get in, but it was also that there was this man with a mask and he just stared at me for minutes as we drove home. And my dad didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. And I just like, I mean, they just like were. I mean, I remember that. I remember that. Just being it's like, a wild time. And you, you were probably really conflicted because you're like, I remember my dad. Don't get in the van. I mean, my parents the mask guy. in a situation, but what the fuck is happening here, man? <laughs> I need to figure that out. So, yeah. uh, for, for that, take probably that if it was more like on the celebrity lines or something. Like, I just think uh, David Bowie or... Yeah, maybe David Bowie or um, Lee Guthrie, maybe some somebody weird like that. Somebody's just like, you know, I think those people who uh, weren't like really afraid of just being just whatever, you know. Just, yeah, yeah. Even if they change their mind later, they're just like that. I think that'd be pretty interesting, but I think. I would like to have, uh, I put like a year ago, I put these things on my Instagram making fun of Andy Sparks and I haven't heard from him. So if I take a cup of coffee to do it, then I, I, we could talk about it. I feel like you would take a cup of coffee. I mean, he knows your dad. Like the, that's like the same, isn't that the same circle? We know each other. What are you talking yeah. About? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like they, that's like the same circle, right? My dad. I don't know. I mean, isn't your dad in Colorado Springs? That's the same creed, right? Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't. I mean, I'm saying Andy knows me. He doesn't need to know my dad. He could just. I know, to me. but 
But like you've never talked to him, right? Andy? Yeah. Oh, I'm back in the day, yeah, probably a little bit. We've we've yeah. some funny emails when uh I took the job at Parasite and we shared some funny emails there. But like I I mean I would just be I was just I wanna know why I never heard Max because I just, you know, I feel like well, this you know, is a great podcast to do it because he also listens to this podcast too. So, Andy, if you're yeah, listening, yeah. go have go have a coffee with this guy. You know, and I mean, you're yeah, what? You're or home just, or, just, or just or just reply on Instagram. You know, like I don't know if we really need to brew. <laughs> I don't even know what if Instagram it, thing. Take a cup of coffee. I mean, we'll do it. Right? Yeah. We'll do it. <laughs> uh, mainly, you know, I just I just want to know. Uh, why he thought posting that video about USA cycling was a good idea when clearly they got their ass. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't. And I actually own it, and they try to own it later, basically based off the fact saying that, that, that they. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I I watched that shit because they got mad at me for mine. Um, and mine I thought was pretty good. I just wanted to be non-biased. I wanted everybody to look at it from both angles, right? Like it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the greatest thing but it's not the worst thing. So like, what are we doing here? Right. And so I'm paying a lot of fucking money to go to Europe. So if you're telling me if I pay 10 grand, there's a chance I can go to Europe. Well, I just booked a thousand dollar hotel for a week in Amsterdam. That's 10 hotel stays, I guess. I don't know. I, again, I just wanted some clarity. It's not, pay $10,000 to be on a national team. And they looked at it as pay $10,000 to be on a national team. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Uh, for me running a team, um, I spend a lot of money. Yeah. I spend a lot of money and, uh, got an airline card, right? Not under the illusion that cycling is free, even though maybe it'd be really fun if it was. Dude, somebody's got to pay for it somewhere. Somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody is yeah. paying for it somewhere. And if you're listening to this and you're one of those people that has helped out a Volo has helped out Cheney windows and doors, Lux, any cycling team period, club team, even hundred bucks, even thank you. I really appreciate it because yeah. no, we get to do cool fucking things because of you guys. <laughs> I just, I think sometimes people lose track of, uh, so number one rule getting into any debate or anything is yeah. Usually what people think is fair is usually what's best for them. Yep. Yep. It's very rare. The person who will say what's fair says, oh, this also flipped me, but 100%. it's the fair thing to do. Go ahead and flick me. Yep. No, and, I agree. Uh, I think it was very, I thought it was very cute on their part to, to post that video thinking that they, they ran away the victor on that. Well, in the, I was a bit frustrated with that because they gave me a lot of shit for mine. And I, that's why I'm saying it on this podcast. They gave me a lot of shit for mine and gave me a hard time saying I bowed to the man because I was a part of USA Cycling, which I have been. USA Cycling has helped my career a lot. Have they pissed me off and taken advantage of me at certain points that I felt? 100%. But who hasn't, right? Um, so, so, so I guess a good way of wrapping it up to go back to your point of like well, where do kids go out of lux or hot yeah. foods or whatever right is the very brutal thing about sport is uh also the thing that makes it beautiful is it's selective yep very much and, so um it it uh it does make you work for it. Sport does that at the highest level, it's going to be selective. And sometimes those things aren't fair, but if you have hustle and you have talent, as long as you don't quit, you will always get around any obstacle. The second you feel sorry for yourself or you feel like you're picked on or that they're having these board meetings in some anonymous cycling room and they're with a photo of you thinking of how to flick you and just yeah. go ahead and leave because yeah. the rest of the rest of the sporting world is going to be very disappointing for you. Yeah, it, for it sure. Really, you're feeling how little people care. For about. sure. For sure. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. Remember that guys, not everybody's out to get you. I know USA cycling. I know they're trying, they're, they're solely out to get me only. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, uh, I talk to people. <laughs> Yeah, 
yeah we have these uh, zoom calls and it's like john crew and you were like yeah. who oh, oh oh that guy okay yeah, yeah, yeah. going around repairing people's windows and doors for free so then you're sponsored again <laughs> That's... I was just in there. I've I've gotten fucking good at it, dog. <laughs> right on. Well, tell Marzell I said, hey, um, guys, if you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. You know, doing the yeah. influencer thing, and also make sure you go check out Mike Creed. Like he said, if you just send him an email, two pages long. So kids, two pages long. You can hit the space button, the tab button. That's what I used to do. Double space. Oh, okay. Double space. And- uh, yeah, big font paragraphs as you can photos exactly and, and uh yeah you probably get on a volo but other than that we'll uh we'll see you next time cheers